benvenuti su Wi-Fi Matters. I hope you liked my meager attempt at the Italian language. Today is a special, special episode about tartuffi, or in English, truffles. No, not chocolate truffles, but the ones you find underneath the earth's soil. Ever since I got my dog, Augie, who's a Logoto Romagnolo, or Italian water dog, I've been incredibly fascinated by the world of truffles. Legoto Romagnolos, with their amazing and insane sense of smell, are to their core truffle hunters. I've been really fortunate to have and smell authentic, real truffles, and they are out of this world. It's an indescribable smell and a once-in-a-lifetime experience to taste your first truffle. I've been reading a lot lately, and I actually stumbled upon a book at my public library called Truffle Hound. On the trail of the world's most seductive scent, with dreamers, schemers, and some extraordinary dogs. It's by Rowan Jacobson, who is a James Beard award-winning author, and has been featured on NPR's All Things Considered, Morning Edition, and CBS This Morning. In addition to this, his writing has been featured in Bon Appetit, Saveur, The Wall Street Journal, and The Washington Post, just to name a few. I truly, truly loved reading his book, and I really recommend anyone to read it because it is such a captivating read, and he takes you across his travels through Europe. He visited Italy, Istria, France, Spain, Hungary, Croatia, and across his travels through America, he went from the Pacific Northwest to the Appalachian Trail, and it's all about the world of truffles. I'm so excited to actually have Rowan on the podcast today to learn more about this amazing world, talk about truffle dogs, and also talk about the economics of one of the world's most expensive and elusive foods. I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Rowan. Thank you so much for coming on Wi-Fi Matters today. It's really exciting for me to talk to somebody about truffles because ever since I got my dog, who's a truffle hunter dog, basically, I've been interested in this world. And then I stumbled upon your book and it was amazing. And I can't wait to talk about everything truffles, including the truffle economy. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Looking forward to it and excited to hear about your dog too. Yeah. So your job is extremely unique. You're a food writer and journalist. So I was just wondering, first of all, how did you even get interested in this field? Yeah, well, I've kind of just always had a personal interest in food, but uh, I was a freelance book editor just working on all kinds of different subjects, not specializing in food. And then I started working for, there was this cult magazine called The Art of Eating, like back Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s, like no internet presence, like you had to subscribe and, you know, you get a print version of it. It was like purposefully kind of like old school Mm -hmm. and it, and it would take like really deep dives into some ingredient like salt or eggs or whatever. So I was, I was working for them as a freelancer Mm -hmm. and, and just like sort of getting deeper into food. And one of the foods I got interested in was uh, oysters. Right. Uh, Like, uh, like I was getting into wine and there's this concept in wine called terroir, which is that the place, like the landscape affects the flavor of Mm. the food. Mm -hmm. And that's really true for oysters too. Like where, where they grow. Yeah. If you get oysters, like on the West coast versus East coast, they taste a little different. 
Yeah, super different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that kind of thing. So then I decided to write a book about that because I wanted to learn about it myself, basically. Mm. And then that book was kind of a hit. And so yeah. then suddenly, like, everyone's like, oh, you're a food writer. Oh, do I Do that see. some more. Yeah. I so see. then you get, yeah. So then you get asked to do other food projects and then, like, your expertise grows and suddenly you are a food writer. Interesting. So you... You wrote a book about truffles called Truffle Hound. And basically the sort of the book, you talk about how the truffle basically like seduced you. Like you became so fascinated by the truffle. So I was wondering, can you tell us about your first encounter with truffles? And also what is a truffle scientifically? Because they kind of are an interesting specimen in the way they grow. So could you tell us about that? Yeah. So the, yeah, we can start with the science. So a truffle is kind of like a mushroom that stays underground that never pops up above the surface. So it's actually, it's what they call a fruiting body. So, you know, an mm. apple is a fruit, right? It has seeds from an apple tree. A truffle is a fruiting body. So it has spores inside it from the fungus that lives under the ground as mm -hmm. a bunch of like microscopic threads that you can't even see really. Mm -hmm. um, and when that fungus wants to reproduce, it makes a truffle. So it's this little ball of spores to make more of the fungus, but it's underground. So right. how is it going to get those spores spread around the forest? The truffles strategy is to smell incredibly good to animals, right? So good that animals in the forest are going to be able to smell it, even though it's underground. And mm -hmm. are going to like dig, 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 eat it, and then spread the spores around. Right. Um, so a truffle is trying to attract animals so that it can get spores spread around. Yeah, first, um, like seed dispersal, kind of. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's smelling. It's trying to smell really good to animals, and that works on a bunch of different animals, including us. Like people just go crazy for that smell. Yeah. So that was my first, like, um, my first really good truffle. I was in Italy mm -hmm. for a wine conference, and it was truffle oh. season. Yeah. And I smelled this truffle. I was just like, oh man, I, I've never experienced a smell like that. So that was the beginning. Right. Yeah. I think my first encounter with truffles, I was at a restaurant in New York. It was a really fancy restaurant and I had truffle pasta and I feel like they shaved truffles onto my pasta, which is like the European yeah. way of eating a truffle, right? But I still remember the taste and the smell to this day but i don't think i've had a true truffle ever since that experience a lot of it has been synthetic truffle which is sad so hopefully one day i'll go to italy or even well we'll get into this later but even some places in the u.s have real truffles yeah, yeah. so but it sounds like you got the classic experience uh, like, yeah, I think like so. they came to your table and it was like super yeah. thin slices yeah, I think that's what happened. I was, I think I was 12, so it was five years ago. So I don't remember, but I remember the smell and I remember the taste. And I was like, oh, what is this? Yeah, yeah it's it's just amazing. So it's just really different, right? Like, it's so else different. It smells like that. Yeah. There, no, nothing. It's not necessarily a smell that you would think you would like in that sense. You wouldn't make like a truffle perfume or something like that. I mean, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. So yeah. I really like the book because it's almost like I'm going on the hunt with you when you write about your different hunts and experiences in especially Europe. So I was wondering if you can describe the culture of hunting truffles in Europe and maybe compare that with what it's like in America and also 
if you could take us through a typical hunt. Sure. Yeah. So in Europe, that culture has existed for centuries. Mm -hmm. so people have known that they had these great truffles in the woods, probably because their pigs were finding them first, just naturally digging them up. So then they began training dogs to do it. Right. First, they used pigs. Then they switched to dogs because dogs are a lot easier than pigs. Right. Okay. So, but they're all, the truffles are all out in the woods and they're hard to find. Mm -hmm. You use a dog because a dog can just detect them so well. But so what that means is that truffle hunting means basically like running around the woods behind your dog, going wherever your dog goes. And when your dog finds the right spot, you push the dog out of the way and get out your little trowel and dig up the mm -hmm. truffle. So it takes, you know, you're, you're lucky if you find a handful of truffles in a whole day mm -hmm. or night of hunting. And for some reason in Europe, they, they often do it at night. Mm -hmm. Like the right. hunts I've been on in Italy are, will yeah. be at night. And sometimes you ask them why, and they, they always give you a different answer. So like, mm -hmm. sometimes they say, oh, you know, cause it's secretive. And so you don't want anyone to see what you're doing. Oh. To be uh, mysterious. Yeah. They kind of make it a little extra mysterious. Uh, and sometimes it's just, they're just like, I have a job during the day. This is the only time <laughs> I can go. Right. And then some of them say the smells are easier to detect at night because the wind, there's no wind and it's really still. And so the mm, dogs work better at night. So I don't know. But that's what it, yeah. So yeah. the hunters will sneak out into the woods with their dogs and mm -hmm. find truffles. And then we'll either sell them directly to a local restaurant or we'll sell them to a truffle dealer who drives around who knows all these truffle hunters and just drives around and buys the truffles from the hunters mm -hmm. and then sells them to a truffle company. Right. Yeah. I was, I watched the, it's like a documentary kind of sound yeah. on I saw um, it too. Yeah, yeah. Amazon prime truffle hunters. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this thing, like 80 year old guy who's going out in the woods in the night all by himself. And I feel like it's almost romanticized a little bit, like the hunt of a truffle, which is maybe why I really like it. But I definitely want to go on an authentic experience one day Yeah. or yeah. train my dog, which I don't know will happen. But yeah, I want to talk about truffle dogs. So I have a Legato and we got him right before the pandemic, actually. What's his name? His name is Augie, but his full name is Augustus because he's Italian, so we named him after the first emperor of Rome. <laughs> so, yeah. but he only responds to Augie. So I live in Chicago. I don't know if there's any truffles around me though, because like what exactly is good terrain for truffles to grow? And like, I know you need forests, yeah. but does altitude or any of that matter? Altitude, I don't think so. I, you know, there's like the truffle that I'm hoping to find in New England is sometimes called the Appalachian truffle, but it's right. also sometimes called the Michigan truffle. I was just in Michigan yesterday. Well, that was the first one, first place it was ever identified was Michigan. Oh. Um, so those woods actually probably definitely have that truffle. Okay, yeah. that's cool, and that's cool. The trick is having a dog that knows- How to. to yeah, like mm -hmm. it's kind of like a classic chicken or the egg problem where the dog needs to train on the truffle. But if the dog hasn't trained on the truffle, how are you going to find the truffle? Find the so, truffle, yeah. right. So I'll probably have to start training him in the house and then transition into the forests. So there's obviously legatos which have been bred for truffle hunting, right? But can you talk to us about the other dog breeds and and which is your favorite one for truffle hunting? Right. Well, don't I have to say Legato? Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in your book, everyone's kind of trashing on them, though. <laughs> no, they, like Legato, they're super popular. They're the most popular dog for truffle hunting, for sure. And 
people swear by them, you know, and they're like, we should say that this is a breed from Italy that has specifically been bred for truffle hunting yeah. for centuries. And they're really good at it. They're really high energy. And some people say, like, oh, only a Lagoto can, can hunt, can mm. like really be good at it. But most people I've talked to have said any dog can do it, you know, get them trained pretty early or if they're food motivated, mm. that's really good. Yeah. They basically, oh, there you go. All right. So you're <laughs> yeah. halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. They do it for treats. They have fun doing it. Right. So probably any dog that likes to like track stuff and mm -hmm. likes to like streets mm -hmm. can be mm -hmm. trained pretty easily. But Lagotos are like famously like really smart and really high energy. So they're right. particularly good at it. So what exactly makes a dog so much better than like what exactly is going on in their nose and their brain system that makes them really good hunters compared to any other animal and obviously humans. Yeah. Well, for versus humans, it's just because our noses kind of suck, right? Mm. Like we just can't smell like one millionth as good as mm. a dog. So we can't detect that truffle underground. Although some mm -hmm. people I've, I've been with, they say they can when they get close, you know, oh. you'll, the dog will find a spot that maybe looks good and the mm -hmm. hunter will get close and then we'll kind of like lean down and be like mm -hmm. mm, nothing's here or they'll pick up the soil and be like oh yeah there's something down there mm -hmm. but you know you, you, without the dog you wouldn't even get that close mm -hmm. so other animals can do it i was just uh, last fall out in uh, pacific northwest at oregon mm -hmm. yeah. and there was a guy training a pig out there oh okay. so, could be america's first truffle pig and Probably other animals could do it too, that have a really good nose. There's all these animals that eat them in the wild that obviously are able to right. smell them. But it's the trick hard. is how well do they work with people like, yeah. to train them and like... Hard to train a, like... A squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I do want to talk about truffle economics. So could you go over some of the different truffles? Because there's actually like a wide array of truffles I didn't know about when before I read the book and also what makes one truffle better than the other truffle in terms of their pricing right which is an interesting question economically right yeah um, so the the two most famous truffles there's a, the black truffle called the black winter truffle of France and then there's the white truffle of Italy right. and those are the two really big ones that most of the industry is based on prices went insane last year the black truffle it's about a thousand dollars a pound and it's been you know 800 to a thousand for a while partly because that one we've figured out how to cultivate that one so mm -hmm. that one is coming off of farms so mm -hmm. it, like supply is a little more stable the white truffle we've never figured out how to cultivate it so it can only be found in the wild. And last season was a really bad one because it was so dry in Europe. Like truffles need mm. summer rains. So supply was really low. So prices right. went bonkers and it was like 6,000 bucks a pound. Oh. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that truffle meal. <laughs> I haven't had a real truffle in like such a long time though. Yeah. Yesterday, it's funny. I had truffle pizza and it was synthetic truffle oil, but the I was like... I feel like after reading the book, I feel like a little snob when it comes to truffles and I didn't <laughs> want to eat the pizza, but it tastes good. It was okay. It yeah. Was I mean, fine. synthetic truffle doesn't smell bad. It just yeah. doesn't, it's, it's not, not the same the, as the yeah. real thing when you get yeah. the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. So white truffles, it's like classic economics where if supply is going down, demand is still super strong. Surprises are just surging. And like right now, Europe is having a super, super bad drought. So mm. right, right in the truffle zone. 
So I think white truffles, if anything, might actually be more expensive this fall. We'll have to see. But those are the two most famous. And yeah, it's it's this incredible smell, as you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of demand for it. And and you have to find it in the wild. And it's really hard and maybe getting mm -hmm. harder. So right. supply and demand are just going in opposite directions, basically. But then there are these other truffles, as you mentioned, that are less known, but are really tasty. Mm -hmm. And some of them are easier to find. So I think one thing we'll see in the truffle economy is that basically the promotion has been all around these two famous truffles mm -hmm. and everyone's like, yeah, don't worry about the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's going to be more like, oh, check out all these different truffles because mm -hmm. they're all unique. And especially that's, that's going to happen here in America where we, we haven't inherited this system from Europe where it's like, this is the good one and this is the bad one. Right. And, you know, right. so Americans are more open to just trying all the truffles. That's cool. So I do want to touch upon how is climate change going to kind of affect the future of truffles? Because like you're saying, because of this big yeah. drought in like Central Europe, probably. So where do you see the Alba truffles, the white truffles, I guess the most coveted going in the yeah. future? Yeah, that's a really good question. And there, are, everyone in the industry is really worried about it and trying to mm -hmm. figure it out. Both that the Black Winter and the Alba, the white, oh. are Mediterranean truffles, right? So. Right for Italy, Croatia for the white right. and Southern France and Spain for the black. Mm -hmm. And those places are getting super hot and super dry with climate change. So the zone for those truffles is probably, is almost definitely gonna move North. So you're gonna see them and that's starting to happen. Like Hungary was never considered right. a big white truffle zone. Now it is. And probably oh, cool. I, I bet Poland will eventually become a white truffle zone. And that's cool maybe Austria who knows Interesting. how yeah so I guess hunters should maybe start thinking about moving up more north I guess I think it's starting to happen yeah and altitude too like just yeah. like a little higher up yeah. like in the mountains and mountains. like Trans Transylvania is probably oh. good um and then the other truffles that could grow farther north you're seeing them in like Sweden and the UK yeah like pretty far north right so right. yeah, so it's all going to move north and drought is going to be an ongoing problem. For the farm truffles, I think if they don't have irrigation, they're going to be in trouble. Okay, I see. So basically you were saying how truffles, there has been this false sense of scarcity created by, I guess, like Italy and France surrounding truffles. It's almost kind of like when you think about wine and how like only certain wines have been like deemed really, really great. Like they have to come from this region in France, but then in America, we see like a lot of different places creating their own vineyards. So basically, could you talk a little bit more about how Italy and France specifically have branded this truffle to help their economies a lot? Yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's a good point. It is a lot like wine. So basically that white truffle that Italy's famous for grows all the way through Eastern Europe. Like it grows in Italy, but all the way to the Black Sea, basically, all those Eastern mm -hmm. European countries. Mm -hmm. But Italy made it famous, and especially the city of Alba in Northern Italy. Mm -hmm. So people got this idea that you had to go to Alba to get these truffles. And right. 
Alba certainly wasn't going to tell them otherwise. They're like, right. yeah, you do have to come here to get these truffles. It's, um, it's like their tourist attraction, basically. Exactly. Yeah, it's a huge festival. People come from all over the world to go there to eat those truffles, even though they could be flying to Croatia or Serbia and eating the same truffles. Right. Literally the same truffles. Because what basically what happens is Italy doesn't have enough of this truffle. So the uh, dealers buy all those Eastern European white truffles, bring them to Italy, and sell them as Alba truffles mm. because the price is much higher. Like the same truffle will be like three times the price in Alba as it is in like Serbia. So, so in that sense, it is just like wine where this sense that the good stuff can only come from this place mm -hmm. cranks up the price. Mm -hmm. And France has done that with the black truffle as well, because most of those truffles are now farmed in Spain. Right. And same thing, France buys them from Spain and sells them as French truffles. Right. So why can't France do their own farming then? You know, they could, and they're starting to. They, they okay. do farm some, but Spain just sort of got out ahead right. of France. France had wild ones. So Spain, they just had these regions where the farming was really poor. And so the government encouraged all these areas of right. Spain to, to try truffle farming on a yeah. scale that had never been done before. Right. It worked. So suddenly yeah. they had, they were producing most of the truffles and France is behind them, but they're going to start putting in truffle farms in France too. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, I think, good economic development for Spain. Yeah, so, it's, it's worked out really well. For yeah, them. yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about like once after the truffles have been cultivated or hunted, they, you like said, they might go to a middleman or like a dealer not directly to restaurants. So you did talk about this truffle hunter, British truffle hunter, Zach Frost in mm -hmm. the UK. So I was just wondering if you could tell us about his like lifestyle as a truffle dealer and how does he make his money and kind of that. Yeah, Zach's a really cool guy. So he lives in Southern England. It's like where he was born, but he'd lived in Italy for a while. He's like a music DJ. So he'd- oh. He'd been in Italy being a DJ and he got days for truffles. So he knew about truffles. And then mm -hmm. he's living in Southern England where no one thinks they have truffles. And then right. he read about, he, he learned that his neighbor was a farmer was finding truffles on his property. And it's this truffle that grows in like the UK and Northern France. And so Zach's like, that's cool. I want to go hunt, hunt truffles right. with you. So he started doing it with the farmer. Mm -hmm. And then he started selling those truffles to some local restaurants. And they were like, give they couldn't get enough of them, right? He was right. like, wow. I, so he started to have a little, like sort of half of a business on his on his hands, but it was only very seasonal. It was only in the fall that that truffle mm. was there. And so then people kept asking him for, for truffles in other seasons. So then he started buying, importing truffles from Italy and selling those as well. And then it expanded. Now he does do those local truffles, but he brings in truffles from all over Europe like and that. even from Australia. So yeah, so he's an importer dealer. Interesting. And, but he was really smart in that, like we were talking about before, there was this sort of old school idea that the good truffle, the good white truffles only came from Alba and the good black truffles only came from Southern France. Mm -hmm. And he saw that wasn't true and didn't even pretend. He started bringing in good truffles from all over the place and mm -hmm. convincing chefs to try them. So he wouldn't like say, oh, these are from Italy when he would tell them where they're actually from and everything. Right. And Very so, and honest. Some, yeah. And some chefs who are, who like have this sort of, inherited wisdom that's not true yeah. we're like oh i only want the italian ones but then other chefs like usually younger chefs are like oh cool they oh, smell good mm -hmm. let me try them right yeah so that's that kind of thing is happening in both the u.s and europe where right like the like 
the conventional wisdom is getting thrown out out the door and people are open to a lot more things now. So I do want to talk about how different technological breakthroughs kind of are impacting the truffle economy, like we were talking about farming of truffles now. So, and also how Zach has been able to build this sort of truffle empire, which probably wouldn't be able to happen in like the 80s or 90s. So how can, how is this gonna, how is technology helping kind of democratize truffles? Well, one of the really interesting things that's happening is cell phones have really changed the business because, mm-hmm. you know, 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, if you're an Italian truffle hunter, you know, you have no connection unless you're selling them to your local restaurant, you have no right. connection to the other, the world of European restaurants and stuff. So mm-hmm. the only person you can, only thing you can do is sell to the local dealer. Mm-hmm. But now all you have, like, it's very easy. There's lots of hunters out there who have direct connections with chefs all over Europe through their cell phones. So when they find a truffle in the woods, a really nice one, they'll mm-hmm. just snap a photo of it and text all these chefs and say, do you want this truffle? And if the chef wants it, then, you know, they'll just overnight it. First um, come, first serve. First come, first serve. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so the, the truffles get to the chefs a lot faster and freshness is really important with a truffle. Right. And it skips all those middle bed. So more money goes directly to the hunter. Interesting. How on earth did you even get to go to these like hunts in the first place? Because like, I'm sh- <laughs> like, I know maybe because of your credentials and stuff, but like, how do you even connect with these people and like Croatia? And how do you go on a hunt? Because I'm sure they're kind of protective over yeah. that. Yeah, that's a really good question because they are really secretive and some of them don't want you anyone to know what they're doing. But so so what I found is that often like they're scientists, they're a bunch of like mycologists who are really into truffles. Right. And they will often know hunters because like if they're like doing some science work on some species of truffle, how are they going to find it? But, you know, they, they will like work with local truffle hunters in that area. Mm-hmm. And so the scientists, I'd talk to scientists about sort of like the science of truffles. And then they'd say, oh yeah, I know a guy in Hungary that you could talk to. He might take you out if you promise not to tell where the spots are. And some people didn't want to take me out, but then others were like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, if you're careful not to reveal the, and they also, one thing I found is like, they didn't necessarily want to get famous themselves, but they're all really proud of their dogs. And so they all want their dogs to be famous. Oh, I see. Yeah. So um, it was like playing the dog card usually worked pretty well. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I, cause it's interesting. Cause like in Italy and in France, I guess in Europe, you were saying in your book, how it's a little more professional, the relationship between the dogs and the humans. Unlike when you came here, and like Oregon specifically, they were very like the festival in Oregon's all about pampering dogs and they're the yeah. center, not the truffles kind of. So it's like a right, reversal. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, in Europe, they like the dogs often don't live in the houses with the hunters. Over, they, they have their own separate kennel that they live in. And that's just, it's just like a different tradition there. Different. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your, I guess we're wrapping it up here, but what was your favorite place that you visited? Because you went all over Europe and you've gone throughout America as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, so I do. I think the Oregon, this, the trouble scene in Oregon is really cool. Yeah, um, really fun. But also, but in Europe, I loved a place called a town called Modovan, which is in Croatia. Right, right, right. There's yeah, there's a, a picture in your book of it. It looks kind of like Mont Saint Michel in France, but yeah, yeah but like yeah. up high. Exactly. It's a, it's a classic hill town, and like everything about that, like the landscape, the the uh, architecture, the uh, food, you'd think you're in Italy, but you're, you're just across the Adriatic Sea from Italy. Mm. And it used to be part of Italy until like Before. World War One. Yeah. Mm. But it's like a third the price of Italy. There aren't nearly as many tourists. And it's just, it's beautiful. And it's one of the best truffle hunting areas in the world. So mm -hmm. truffles are everywhere. So they have lots of little festivals. Right. Um, the hunters are pretty relaxed. Like everybody mm -hmm. seems like they hunt truffles part time That's on cool. the side. Yeah. So it's really a truffle paradise and prices are low and the ocean's right there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I'm thinking about maybe we can go to the truffle festival in Asheville, North Carolina. I read there's in your yeah. book, there's one there because me and my family, we love hiking anyway. So we do want to go on like Appalachian Trail a little bit. And then also it's closer by to the Chicago, so maybe we could take our dog there potentially. We could take oh, yeah. him. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, I'm. I'm really. I really want to go to a festival. The one in Oregon seems really cool too. And so, lastly, have you and Friday? Have you guys? Which is your dog? Obviously, have you found any truffles? Because you left us on the cliffhanger in your book. <laughs> yeah. Well, so interesting. You should ask. So we haven't right now. Like, we we don't know where to look exactly. Like, what the right habitat is. Like. We need to find areas that have really high pH with like lots of calcium in the soil, uh -huh. truffles like that. Mm -hmm. um, and like Friday hasn't been able to train on any of those truffles. Ooh. But but next week, the one guy on the East Coast who has a dog that is an expert at finding the Appalachian truffle uh -huh. is actually coming up and staying with me. And we're uh -huh. going to go, we're picking spots right now. We're going to go look. So this is going to be uh -huh. like... The first truffle hunt ever in New England. That's cool. Yeah. So we'll bring Friday and maybe he'll pick up on a few trainers. <laughs> yeah. But there's a passage in the book where some guy was saying how you shouldn't have your dog and another older dog do a hunt together because then they'll be distracted by each other. That's true. But I like <laughs> but in Europe, they, they always take like a young trainee dog out with like the expert dogs oh. and just to let the dog watch and learn from the experts so but yeah okay. then the, there was this other guy who said like or don't don't do two dogs together because oh i see this yeah. is more of a shadowing experience yeah but you know everybody basically everybody has their own philosophy Way <laughs> of doing it yeah well, this was really, really fun for me. I'm gonna hopefully convince my parents to take me to one of these festivals. And thank you so much, Rowan, for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure, thanks for your questions. So that's the end of the interview. And it was so much fun having Rowan on the show today. I feel like a mini truffle aficionado. It was especially interesting to learn about the economics of truffles and also talk about how climate change and technological breakthroughs are impacting this specific industry. I highly, highly, highly recommend reading Rowan's book, Truffle Hound. And I'm going to put his website in the episode description. Hopefully, one of these days, Augie can find his own truffle and become a truffle hound, a true truffle hound. And like Rowan said, literally any dog can become a truffle hunter. So why don't you give it a go with your four-legged companion? Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you next time.